Hello to all you guys and gals out there in the hinterlands. It's Rock, and I'm here with my co-host, Max, and we're going to be your guys as we trek through the virtual wilds of the continent. Hello, everyone. Welcome. As you probably know, Rock and I are going to discuss and debate our way through all things paranormal, legendary, and monstrous. And we definitely won't forget fun. We can't forget it, Max, but do you want to know what's not funny? I never do, Rock. Not having played The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. You love that game so much. (laughs) And I've yet to play it, or any Witcher game for that matter. And there's no excuse for that. I played The Witcher 2, but The Witcher 3 was a masterpiece. But do you know what else is not fun, Max? Not having binge-watched The Witcher on Netflix. Now, that's something I have done. I watched the whole thing in like three days. I stretched it out. You know, I just kind of made it go for like two weeks. (laughs) And in our attempt to keep you guys and gals entertained, we're going to do something a little different on this episode. So we're sticking to the folklore and myth, but we're going to focus on one of Rock's favorite games of all time. And I'm not talking about Pokemon. No, that was just a fad, Max. In fact, I'm going to leave the magical world of Pokemon. That's going to be all you, brother. You take the (laughs) reins. So the difference between Pokemon and Witcher monsters is you can actually find Pokemons in the real world. Uh Uh-huh. There's like three Pokemons in this room right now. I can feel them looking at me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Max, whatever you say, there's Pokemons in here watching me. That's fine. I I see them on my phone. (laughs) All right, sorry. Let's get back to Witcher and the lore it's founded on. Yes, we're delving headfirst into the Slavic lore that forms the backbone of the monsters and myth that are such a huge part of The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. We'll also dive a little deeper into the world of The Witcher might be kind of cool. Stick around. You're excited about this, aren't you? Hell yes. And I know the game is already five years old, but what with the newish Netflix show starring Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia? I figured now's a good time for us to take a look at some of the folklore that Polish author Andres Sapkowski threw into his series of novels. Yeah, Slavic lore, from what I understand, has a ton of vampirism, werewolfery going on. Good word. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> And I don't think the Romanians are strictly speaking Slavic, but their folklore is definitely very interconnected. Absolutely. If our dear listeners will recall during our Christmas Spirits episode, a holiday belief in Romania is that during the Christmas season, there's a rise in vampiric activity and that wise people stayed indoors after nightfall. I love that. As we talked about during the Christmas episode, Mm -hmm. it's just a given that there's already this ambient level of vampiric activity. They're out there. And it just kind of peaks during Christmas. One must take appropriate measures, such as carrying your silver sword with you at all times. Awesome. Well said. Okay, so let's delve into some of the creatures that everyone's favorite witcher, Geralt of Rivia, has to contend with. Sure. But before we do that, have you read all the books? Yes, sir. And? And what? And are the books better than the games or the Netflix show? Like, how would you rank the various media? Offhand, you know, my first instinct is to say, no, I like The Witcher 3, the Wild Hunt video game better. As far as the books and the Netflix show, those are very similar. They took the storylines from the books and turned them into the show, which was good for the author and fans of the books, but very confusing for those watching the show, what with all the skipping around the timelines and whatnot. Like, if you're not familiar with it, you were confused. Dude, 100%. I was very confused until like the fourth episode and wow you really like the game better yep it's kind of rare i mean at least with me 
I almost always liked the book better than the movies, games, etc. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way it used to be, right? Like, the book was always better, but let's be real here, Max. If The Witcher 3 video game is never made, there is absolutely no Netflix show. Oh, for sure. Henry Cavill, much like myself, was introduced to the world of The Witcher through the video game. And that's where we both fell in love with the continent and the lore that Sapkowski introduced. And in my opinion, the folks at CD Projekt Red improved upon. It's an amazing game across the board. The graphics, the gameplay mechanics, and especially the writing and storylines. All top-notch, super engaging. You're basically the star of your own show, and the writing is so good and just keeps you, you know, glued to your couch. You sure CD Projekt Red is not paying you for that glowing review? <laughs> Dude, I wish. Those cats made a ton of bank with that game. They didn't need to pay me but it'd be nice if they did. They definitely should, but okay, <laughs> onto the monsters. Right on. Okay, let's start with a classic, a Slavic monster that Geralt has an early run-in with, the Striga. Sounds very much like Strigoi. Yeah, yeah, correct. Strigoi, according to Romanian myth, are spirits that rise from the grave to drink blood and draw energy from the living, and it's well known in Albanian mythology as a kind of vampiric witch. Also, the word Striga in Romanian means to scream. Which is what I would do if I ever saw one. You sure? Because I recall during our La Llorona episode, you were talking about how you needed proof to believe some of these legends we speak of here on the show. Well, but Striga are real. <laughs> You're saying La Llorona's not? <laughs> Just kidding. Just go hang out on the riverbank. <laughs> <laughs> Rock, I've rethought that strategy a little bit right. and <laughs> decided we have to leave those kind of first-hand encounters to witchers. Agreed. Well said wise move. Okay, so a striga in the world of the Witcher is a little different than a strigoi. A striga is a result of a curse placed on a pregnant woman in the world of the Witcher. Well, that ain't cool. Who wants to curse a pregnant woman? Well, in Witcher lore, the woman in question is King Foltest of Temeria's sister. You'd think a king would be powerful enough to protect his sister, no? Well, you think, but he's kind of the reason she got cursed. He, the king, ended up getting her pregnant himself. This Foltis guy, he must be related to the Lannisters or something. Oh, uh, gross. And that's right. I've never read the books, but I remember that episode in the Netflix show. Geralt has to spend the night in the old castle and fight this thing. Exactly. So Foltis' sister dies in childbirth, and then the cursed unborn child never survives. That's part of the curse. That's right. So the mother dies and the child dies, but the child comes back as a striga. So the child eventually rises as the monster. Super fast, agile, strong, sharp claws, thick hide, long teeth. They attack mainly at night, but some strigas have been sighted in the daylight, while others appear more aggressive during the full moon, hunting whatever animals or humans they can find. In the video game, they made the striga look like this very squat, red-maned, long-clawed monster with rows of sharp teeth. Very kind of reptilian and almost like a crocodile-esque, you know? just gnarly. You didn't want to tangle with it. Yeah, she didn't look like that on the show. More like, nope. and it's gross, but she looked like some kind of grown fetus type creature. Pretty gnarly. Yeah, pretty gross. You know, and I think that's more in line with the books. The Striga on the show was pretty disgusting. Good battle scene, though. Oh, yeah. Fighting in the castle, Geralt casting some signs. Very cool. Agreed, man. You know, but my favorite battle scene in the Netflix show is the one at the end of the first episode, The Lesser Evil. But, you know, let's focus. We digress. Another creature in the Witcher lore is one that we've covered here before. Leprechauns? Close. 
Werewolves. Pretty much the same thing. True, those wish-granting werewolves are pretty common in the world of the Witcher. Do they drink Guinness? Undoubtedly. So werewolves and Striga both are under the cursed categories in Witcher lore. So are all werewolves the products of curses then? No, some are cursed and some are terianthropes. Men or women capable of turning into animals and with the knowledge that the change is coming. Most of these types of werewolves know what they are and usually just avoid human company until the changes are over. But lycanthropy is different, right? That's where the curse is involved, where someone is either attacked and then in turn becomes a werewolf, or there's an actual curse placed on someone who, because of the curse, then becomes a werewolf, yeah? Correct. That's where the curse is involved and usually results in someone uncontrollably turning into some blood-crazed half-wolf, half-human creature during a full moon. We know the end result when that happens. Regardless, Max, you need to have a good werewolf episode on the Netflix show. Good mix of horror and action would be pretty sweet. Well, it doesn't really matter what universe you're in. The Witcher, European, Native American. Nothing good happens when lycanthropes roam the world at night, right? Yep. It's a good thing we didn't backpack across the moors of England like we were planning after college. And this damn COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Been a long time since then, Dave. (laughs) It all started in the moors of England. Yep. Wise beyond our years. So I'm not sure if these count as monsters... But I recall there being dryads in the series, right? Oh yeah, the dryads of Broccolon Forest. I'm liking the monsters of The Witcher, by the way. Very D&D-like. Like we say, Max, all the best monsters are D&D monsters. Best monsters. Okay, so onto the dryads. The only place they currently reside on the continent is Broccolon Forest. You know, humans being humans, killing the elves, taking all the lands, forced the dryads who used to reside in every forest to make their last stand in Broccolon Forest. So on the Netflix show, that's where Siri went, and they forced her to drink the water of Broccolon, right? Mm-hmm. And they seem very aggressive toward any outsiders that wander into the forest. Just so. And in the books, the dryads take Geralt in, and they heal him. Which is rare, because the eerie wives, as they're called, kill almost any male that comes into the forest. In the books, Dandelion, or Jaskier, as he's called on the show, is only able to get into the forest because he plays the hell out of his loot and kind of sings his way into the forest to deliver a message to Geralt. Rock stars get all the fair women, Rock. Yep. And you know, I really like the casting choice for Jaskier or Dandelion no, me too. on the show. The guy is great. He cracks me up. And he's a good singer as well, man. That toss a coin to your witcher is the jam sandwich. <laughs> Just so damn catchy. Toss a coin to your witcher, whole valley of plenty. <laughs> Settle down. Toss a coin to your witcher, A friend of humanity. All right, I'll settle down, man. All right, Max, what's next? Let's talk about ghouls. Those were ghouls that wounded Geralt in the last episode, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were necrophages, and they got them. Necrophages? What are those? Yeah, you know, going from the game, necrophages are these undead-type monsters that roam all parts of the continent. So where do these monsters come from? Are they undead, like vampires are undead? Were they once human and then got turned into ghouls? Okay, so, kind of complicated. But vampires and necrophages, or ghouls and their ilk, are different classes of monsters, unlike in the D&D world. They're not all under the, quote, undead category, right? Okay. So, monsters, right? Like, all the monsters on the continent arrive because of an event scholars called the conjunction of the spheres. That sounds dramatic. You know, an easier way to describe it would be when worlds collide. Okay, so like the world of the continent and these worlds where the monsters existed kind of 
intersected or phased into each mm-hmm. other and these beings monsters whatever were left behind on the continent after the conjunction ended great example so yeah the monsters were all of a sudden in the human world not natural parts of the ecosystem and they were just running rampant killing creating chaos and from this time the witcher cast was born created using magic and alchemy to give humans a fighting chance against these post-conjunction beings. It's honestly a really cool scenario. I like it, and it explains where all the monsters came from. Okay, so back to ghouls. So ghouls, according to the Witcher lore, prefer carrion, but will take fresh meat as well. They're attracted to graveyards and battlefields, and really, that part of the show where Geralt is attacked by the ghouls? Where the hell is his armor? He drinks a potion, probably black blood, and then gets one little wound that gets infected. Sorry, Max. Witchers are damn near immune to infection because of the mutations they go through during the trial of the grasses. Okay, calm down. (laughs) We're getting ahead of ourselves here. So I think the reason he didn't have armor and the timeline is confusing, I think it was because he was in jail in Sintra and had to escape and couldn't find his armor, but somehow he found Roach and his swords. Hmm. You know, you might be right. I think he wasn't Joe. Okay, makes a little more sense. I forgive you, writers of the show, but do better. And I don't know what this trial of the grasses thing is, or or black blood for that matter. Care to expound? Okay, gonna nerd out a little bit here. No. (laughs) But black blood is a witcher potion that makes his blood poisonous to vampires or necrophages. And the trial of the grasses are the series of mutations that a young man who's becoming a witcher has to go through to become a full-fledged witcher, to get the cat's eyes as well as the cat-like reflexes, the boosted immune system, greater strength, super acute hearing, smell, sight, fast healing, all that. That sounds cool. So they're like super soldiers. Sort of, you know, except for the fact that only three out of 10 boys survived the trial of the grasses to become witchers. 30% survival rate? Okay, those odds suck. I'm telling you. No, don't want to be a witcher. Or I want to be one, but yeah, I don't want to have to become one. I don't want to roll those percentile dice, Max. You know, plus, no. you know, they're kind of looked down upon by society at large. A lot of people hate witchers. Like most people that hire witchers only do so as a last resort. And then sometimes they don't pay the witchers after the job is done, which you think be kind of dangerous. Which makes zero sense. They're doing a much-needed job, keeping the community safe. And why would you want to piss them off anyway? He's not called the Butcher of Blavakin for nothing. Ah, nice. See, I've been paying attention to the show. Well done and good point. Why would you want a killing machine with cat's eyes and two swords pissed at you? Pay the man his gold, people. He just killed the basilisk for you. Rejoice. So the two swords are for... Steel sword for fighting humans and a silver sword for fighting monsters. Sweet. Love the mystical power that silver has mm-hmm. when used against evil across cultures. You say it just comes from Hollywood, but we all know better. <laughs> also, I noticed Geralt's medallion has a wolf on it. Any significance there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's the Witcher school that he's from. The school of the wolf. So there are different schools. Oh, yeah. So it seems that the school of the wolf was the most famous school, or rather the school that produced the most successful witchers. So like the Gryffindor school. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) All right, so let's get into the school of the cat. Cats are evil, man. Known fact. Mm -hmm. Like the cat that was smothering its owner that we talked about in the Hags episode. Exactly, man. They can't be trusted. So the cat school is the witcher school that was known, and it was the only one that was known to train women. Mm Mm-hmm. Even more deadly. Yep, hell hath no fury. 
They also have close ties to the Anshe, which are the elves of the continent. And the elves are a whole other story unto themselves. I do recall on the show, there's a line, quote, the elves showed us how to harness chaos and turn it into magic. And then we slaughtered them. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Humans suck. You know, the elves showed us how to create magic and we killed them with it. So the ethos of the cat school lacked the fame neutrality that all witchers are supposed to have. Like neutrality in terms of loyalty to your king or kingdom? Just so. And this neutrality allowed witchers to travel freely between kingdoms, plying their trade of monster hunting without being, you know, like hassled. Okay, so the cats are not neutral. No, and while they followed the path, which is the witcher term for killing monsters, for doing what they were made to do, they also were often hired as spies and assassins. Was there a reason for this? Well, the scholars posit that the formula used in mutating the cat school witchers was changed, so that instead of stripping the witchers of human emotions, it intensified them, making them really unstable. Long story, but because of their assassinations and spying, the guild became notorious amongst royalty in various kingdoms, and so a large army raised the entire cat school, slaughtered every witcher there. So there's no more cat school? No, but there are still cats out there, like witchers from the cat school. They formed a traveling caravan offering their services, and of course, being cats, they worked with a corrupt king to attack the school of the wolf, Geralt's school. The king promised the cats a new keep, But when the attack on the wolf school took place, the king ordered his army to kill all of the cat witchers as well. Like we said, cats are evil. Agreed. So there are other schools. What are those? Yeah, so let's just do a quick rundown before we move on. There's the school of the bear, school of the griffin, school of the viper, and school of the manticore. No school of the liger? (laughs) I bet they'd have the best magical skills. Napoleon, the witcher, might agree with me. That's what I'm talking about. You'd think, right? Unfortunately, the Liger School never really took off. Okay, Max, we drifted off the subject of monsters there for just a second. Back to monsters! Right, so let's just list a few more disgusting necrophages, shall we? Yes, let's. Drowners, the drowned dead. So, are these just water-based ghouls, basically? Or are they drowned people that come back to feed on the living? Water-based ghouls, you know, that's a good description. So the rest of the list are rot fiends, grave hags, water hags, just kind of a host of disgusting predators resulted during the conjunction of the spheres. Hags, you say? Now, our listeners will remember our episode, episode number two Mm -hmm. on hags that I was just referring to. Yep. So would a grave hag or water hag fit right in alongside Peg Powler or Jenny Greenteeth, or is it something totally different? Absolutely, Max. 100%. Water hags and grave hags are definitely pulled from the lore surrounding the hags that we covered on our second episode. Very black anise-like. These long-clawed, sharp-toothed predators that are out in the lonely places of the world just waiting for that lone traveler to venture near their lairs. Love it. Mm -hmm. I'm really going to have to play that game. Great game. So on the first episode of the Netflix show, the opening scene... Geralt fights a Kikimora, Mm -hmm. which looks like some kind of giant humanoid face spider creature. Does that kind of jive with the Kikimoras in the video game? You know, sort of. But yeah, in the game, Kikimoras are these large insect type creatures. So, you know, fairly faithful. So there are monsters that Sapkowski only mentions in the books that CD Projekt Red includes in the game. And it'd be super cool if on season two of The Witcher, Netflix brings some of those monsters to bear. I mean, they would do a great job. Well, maybe. 
I wasn't too incredibly happy with the CGI gold dragon form of Borch's three jackdaws. I don't know. I thought it looked pretty cool. Unique anyway. It's not your typical D&D or European dragon. Max, it looked like a golden chicken. <laughs> Do better, Netflix. Heaven knows we have the time right now for your artists to sit in front of their computers and render some dope-ass monsters. It was better than the Sci-Fi Channel's Dresden Files dragon. Or the werewolves. I mean, but Max, that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> Harry Dresden deserved better, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, that should be a podcast. Mm -hmm. All right. Any other monsters you'd like to see on the show? Dude, a veritable laundry list. Trolls, basilisks, golems, jinn, wraiths, fiends, chorts, leshens. I mean, the list goes on. Leshens? So are those anything like the Leshy from Slavic lore? Totally. Leshens are, in the game, these four spirits that command birds, wolves, and demand tribute from nearby villages. So very much like the Leshy in that regards. So we've mentioned vampires, but we haven't really talked about vampires. Are they in the games and books? Yeah. You know, Max, I hope they include vampires. Yeah, and they're in both. And a big character in the books, Regis, who also appears in the game, you know, hey, he happens to be a vampire. Okay, so what kind of vampire? Like a gnarly Strigo type vampire or a sparkly walk in the daylight, twilight <laughs> kind of vampire? God, I hate twilight. <laughs> okay, twilight vampires are not vampires. They're superheroes. But let's focus on Regis. He's a higher vampire. As opposed to a lower vampire? Well, yeah, you know, pretty much. Lower or lesser vampires are the most bestial of the species, right? So Regis appears in Baptism Fire, that's one of the books, as well as the video game Witcher 3. And as a higher vampire, he is super powerful. In fact, you know, most Witchers won't take contracts on higher vampires because they're just so dangerous. Like, do they not share the weaknesses of lesser vampires, which I'd assume would be sunlight, fire, silver, etc.? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they have a host of additional powers. They look identical to humans, can become invisible, mesmerize their victims, immune to sunlight. You know, the list goes on. And get this, Max, their regenerative powers are so great that they can come back even after they've been beheaded or just smashed utterly where there's... You know, nothing left. If there's a smear of blood, there's a chance that they can come back. That ain't right. Mm -hmm. No wonder witches stay the hell away from them. So we brought up dragons earlier, which, according to Geralt on the show, are really rare. Yeah, and the same in the game. In fact, draconids are way more commonplace, and that includes like basilisks, wyverns, etc. Which the common folks probably confuse for dragons quite often. Oh yeah, something you'll find in the game, if you ever play it. <laughs> it's definitely on my list to play. Of course, that list still has Oregon Trail on it. <laughs> I'm a bit behind on my video game playing. Well, I mean, you'd rather read a good book, which is good because we do a lot of research for our show. That's why this bonus episode was so fun for me. No research besides watching the show. You know, another interesting monster in the video game is called a Noon Wraith. It sounds cool. And just guessing here, but is a Noon Wraith a wraith that attacks during the day? Brilliant. Yeah, just so. And the Noon Wraith is based on the... Polidnica out of Polish lore, also called Lady Midday. They're the personifications of how harmful the sun can be to laborers working the fields during the hot summer months, heat stroke, sunburn, etc. Take those water breaks, people. Oh, we know how that is here in Texas, Max. Heat is for real. All right, so let's talk about botchlings. You got Noon Wraith, right? You care to take a guess on botchlings? Well... It can go too many ways. We can botch many things up. So. Botchlings make your face not move, right? Oh, that's botulism. 
Okay, so a botchling is basically an infant zombie. Okay, that's pretty horrible. So they become botchlings because they were abandoned or boarded without being buried or given a name. And so they return and haunt the living, drawing more strength, which each victim until they eventually go after the family or the mother who abandoned them. Pretty dark. Is this in the book or the game or both? There's a pretty famous quest in the game that includes a botchling, yeah. What lore do they stem from? A Slavic and Scandinavian, a myling, is the ghost of an unbaptized infant that was discarded and unburied by its parents. They haunt the lanes near graveyards, hopping on lone travelers' backs and demanding to be taken to the graveyard so they can be buried. Well, that doesn't seem too bad. Be the nice thing to do, right? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the myling gets heavier and heavier the closer they get to the graveyard. And if the traveler can't carry the little ghost into the graveyard, the myling kills a traveler for not burying them. Okay, yeah, that's... That's not good. Mm-hmm. Don't want any of that action. Nope. Staying away from the lonely lanes near Slavic cemeteries. We ain't no fools, Max. Wise move. So another specter or wraith in the game is called a plague maiden. What you think? Hmm. Could this be a phantom that spreads disease or maybe the embodiment of people that have died of certain plagues? Nice. Pretty much spot on. Plague maidens are also called pesta in the game, and they're based on Scandinavian folklore. During the time of the Black Plague, peasants recalled seeing a woman robed in black going from village to village, and uh, they assumed she was the embodiment of the plague. It was said that if she went by your village holding a rake, only some would die. But if she carried a broom, your village would be swept away by the plague with none surviving. Yeah, that's kind of scary, actually. Mm-hmm. Hearing those legends like that right now, given the current state of the world. Please, no pesticidings. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, don't want none of it. It wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. <laughs> All right, let's continue to hunker down, y'all, if possible. Any other monsters? Well, there's a title of the Witcher 3 game, The Wild Hunt. Oh, yeah, definitely. Love The Wild Hunt. Germanic origins, if I'm not mistaken. Could you expound, please? Well, I'm sure it differs in some aspects from the lore of the Witcher, but the wild hunt in European folklore is usually this pack of spectral riders, along with their hounds, that appear with storms and at certain times of the years. If you're unlucky enough to be in their way when they appear, you're never seen again. Hunt you down. You know, Max, that's very close to Witcher lore. So in Germany, the leader of the hunt is thought to be Odin. Odin. Yeah, or some personification of him. Alternately, Gwynap Nude of Welsh folklore, or Gwynap Naked in Texas. <laughs> N-E-K-K-I-D. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Danish king, Valdemar Aderdag, biblical figures such as Cain, Herod, or even the devil are also said to be the leader of the hunt mm -hmm. in later Christianized versions. Yep. Anyway, you spell it. You want to make yourself scarce when the wild hunt is around. Well said, Max, because we are all about safety here at Nightmares and Daydreams, y'all. And we could literally, Max, go on and on about the lore of the Witcher. You know, it's getting late. I think we're going to pack it in, boys and girls. So, are you saying we're done, Rock? I think we're done, amigo. Well, thanks to everybody for listening to us as we nerd out on video game, book, TV, culture. All that. Not our usual subject matter, but I really enjoyed this. Nice change up, right? For sure. As always, dear listeners, please take that quick moment and rate and review us. I know we sound like that broken record, but that five-star review on whatever platform you listen to us on is so important. 
Your help is much appreciated and much needed. Yes, please review and share. If you like our podcast and know someone, friend, family member, enemy, whoever it may be. Whoever. If you think they'd like what we do here, please share us and recommend us to them. We'd love more listeners. Agreed. Our fan base is growing, but we'd like to grow even more. So please send us a tweet, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us at nightmarespodcast.net. The music of our show is by the best bard in the land, Teresa Joy. Mm-hmm. Find and follow her at Viabright. That's at V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E on Facebook and the gram. And as always, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.